the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Football frenzy is up. Our buddy Willard Ramirez from the AP sitting in with us for the next couple hours. We got some good football conversation, including Caleb Herring, former UNLV quarterback, coming up in 15 minutes. Willie was out around Raiders camp today, so we'll get details on that. What's going on, buddy? What's happening, guys? How's everything? Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Guys. We never see each other now. We're, no, yeah, we're actually we are uh, we are actually in studio. It's a it's a rare occasion, uh, but Willie's nice enough to come over to the west side of town and. And uh, chop it up, as Ari likes to say. I'm, I've been so used to the the uh, the, the live stream. At everything night. in everything in life is Video. now Zoom. Zoom, live right. streamyard, yeah. everything. Streamyard. So no more fist bumps, no more hugging, no For, more close up conversations, no more dinners. There's dinners. There's got to be dinners. There's got to be dinners. I've Can't already, do that I, through Zoom and streamyard. I, I've already, I've already <laughs> got. I took a call today driving out to the Raiders facility from Vic. Our buddy Vic Tapur from the uh, Tafer from the Athletic, he said he'll be in for three day mini camp, and right. dinners are definitely a must. On him, you didn't finish that up the right way. I thought you were going to say it. dinners <laughs> are definitely on him. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you never know. You never know. I mean, we, we if we hit a couple, it'll either just we, everybody pony up, or or you know he'll get one, I'll get one. We had a good time last day. We can make some bets too. I don't we, pay them off, but we can make some bets. We did a, a media dinner the night before every home game last season. Oh and, wow! And and him, Paul Gutierrez. Josh Dubow, uh, they they wanted to a taste of old Vegas, so we took them around town. Um, went to Piero's a couple times. Went to Casa Diamore. Adam k- jumped in on that. Oh, I, I raced home to do a. a That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get the invite, but you were on the video yeah, that night. Yeah. So we uh, so so we, we hit a bunch of different spots last year. So I'm looking forward to that this season. Man, we were beating up on Denver. We were beating up on Denver a couple minutes ago about their fans. Weird lot they are. Peyton Manning is going into the Broncos' ring of honor. I see that. So he got a Super Bowl for him. He played four years in Denver. You cool with that? Well, I'm looking at the rundown. It says three. Is I it know. three I, or four? I actually counted it up as three. I just looking it up. It was four. Four whole years. Four whole years. Yeah. Couple of Super Bowls. One title. Right. Got one with them. Went there twice. I don't know. I mean, he was brought in for that reason. I think. That, I think you have to ask the question: Would they have won it if? Or would they have gotten there if he didn't no, show up? No, no. So I guess I mean, yeah, whatever. I have no, I have no problem with it. I just thought it was interesting, and I was thinking back. I'm like, he wasn't there that long, but when he when he was there, they were good. Yeah, and and he and he did, he he did what he was supposed to do. It's, it's, I guess it's the same situation with LeBron, right? We're seeing so somewhat the end of his career, and he brought been brought to L.A. and he Ooh. said he promised he was going to be brought. He promised them they were bringing a title. He he was brought back to Cleveland. He promised he was going to bring a title. So I mean the same type of thing. Now, Pey- l- l- Willie, let me tell you. Yeah. If the Lakers win one title, don't advance to any more finals. LeBron plays say five whole years in Lakerland. You think they're raising his jersey to the rafters? No. Okay. <laughs> no, but I'm saying it's a, it's a similar thing in terms of he he did what he was supposed to do. Right. A uh, lot different organization and franchise when you're comparing the Lakers and the Broncos, in my opinion. Broncos have been very successful. Lakers are like next level, you know, all time basketball successful. Yeah, I mean, Lakers are good. Will, will probably go down as all one of the all time greatest sports franchises. And I'll tell you, if the Lakers don't go to the finals again or compete for a title. 
LeBron will be compared to all the Laker greats. Yeah. I mean, who, who anyone in Denver going to get all pissed off? Like, good job. This is a stain on John Elway's record. You know, that Manning's got on the ring of honor. No one will do that. I, I think in we, LA, I think LeBron we, will forever be compared to Kobe and Kareem and Magic, and you can name all the other greats. And and, and and we have that conversation coming up, so I, I, it'd be interesting to discuss. You know, that conversation come up when 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 Kobe passed, right? Or actually, when he retired, it was what? Who were the all time Laker greats? Do you now include? You know, would you now include LeBron in that conversation? Do you have to have that conversation? In terms of because of the longevity versus his short tenure, so I, I guess you know if you, if you say all time Bronco greats, do you include Peyton in there? Apparently they do in Denver. That's the standard. <laughs> Interesting. The NFL is still searching for the the right spot in Germany. They want to go uh, more international. Doesn't mean they're bailing on the UK, but Germany is a real hotbed for football, and the NFL should be interested in developing football following and football prospects. In Europe. Now, the interesting thing here, I think they'll find somewhere, and apparently Germans are very fired up. It does well on TV there. Um, from a travel standpoint, I'm no time zone expert, but if I'm correct, I think much of Germany is eight and nine hours away from the East Coast. <clears throat> so we're talking another three or four hours. Well, they're def- going to be cool with all the players and the organizations. That's That's a freaking long trip. Well, I think you definitely the NFLPA will definitely have something to say about that in terms of you know how they're going to work that the scheduling, right? Because what was it two years ago, the year before that uh, the Raiders came here and they had that massive eight week deal where they never played yep. at home because yep. they, they had a buy sandwiched in. They were went from Chicago to London, right? So I mean. Um, it's definitely a conversation that has to be had in terms of what they're going to do, the, what those teams would do the week before. Is it the guaranteed bye week before or after? How how is that going to to work? Do you do you guarantee a home game? That uh, all that's got to be discussed. But in terms of the fan base and expanding, yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think it's good all around. But a lot of talk that has to be made. On the way back, Caleb Herring, Football Insider, will get into uh, the latest rumors with uh, Deshaun Watson to the Broncos. At least one player is saying, "Hey, Deshaun wants to go to the Broncos. He's got to deal with his issues." And the latest from camp today, no Aaron Rodgers in Packerland. And, man, Twitter was blowing up as if it was almost kind of a work with play-by-play of just how great Jordan Love looked. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. All right, let's bring in Caleb Herring, our football insider. Uh, Willie Ramirez helping out. Cofield and Company here on this Wednesday. Caleb. Oh, what's up, man? What, what What's up, Steve? I, I mean, I, I'm excited to be on the show again. <laughs> Apprehensive? Uh, I, I feel like I, based on last week, and I, I think that there's something coming here no. at some point, but... Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm excited to be here, man. What's going I, on? I'll just say real, real quick. I won't, I won't do it. I was ball busting pretty heavily last week. <laughs> I live with a Lakers fan, and uh, she wasn't hearing any of it. And then the other thing I started to pull on her, every day I'm always talking about my nets. And she's like, will you stop with the nets? So <laughs> I've got the tongue lashing at home. I will take it easy on you today because I don't want to pile on. I don't want to pile oh, on. You know what? It's fine. You know, as – there was a stretch where everybody was piling on the Lakers anyway, and I think last year 
was such a, a glorious year hoisting that that championship um, as a Laker fan and and being able to have that after so much down years. Um, so I, I think you know it's kind of a quick turnaround to that that sheer defeat feeling that we had last week. But uh, you know I'm willing to take it, man. I'm like I said last week. I'm a Laker ride or die, man. I'm I'm riding through the thick and the thin, man. So. Right now, it's a little thick. People are laying it on thick, and I'm, I'm cool with that, man. It, it goes around comes back around. Well, that's kind of bothersome for me, Caleb, you know, because uh, I'm a lake ride or die for a long time. And now when you when we come back from the break, you can hear the intro, right? You can hear everything before they before you come live? Yeah, yeah. I can okay, hear okay. So, and, and, and Steve Steve did say Willie Ramirez step, stepping in, helping us out today, and then you come on and go – What's going on, Steve? How are you? I mean, did you did you did you forget something? I mean, I thought we was boys. I thought I was you know, saving it. I was saving it because I was going to give you your own. What's up? Like I didn't want to mash it in there with with Steve. So you deserve your own. You know what I'm saying? I was going to wait till we had that first engagement and be like, "My man, Willie, what's up, man? How you been?" Like that's I was waiting for that. So you get your own, uh, you know, intro. Like a true quarterback. Nice save. <laughs> well, speaking of QBs. I don't know what's going on today at Packer camp. I wasn't there, but, man, people were raving about Jordan Love, and I just kind of wonder if this is a little bit of an effort to kind of build the kid up. I don't know how practice went down in terms of what they set him up with, but they got a weird situation here right now because you don't want Jordan Love with all this exposure to look like a horse's ass out there while they wait on Rodgers. Yeah, you know, it's it's, I think even funnier about all this sudden love that they have and affinity for Jordan Love and and how – how great he's been, how on fire he was at you know a practice during the off season. Um, I, it was strange that you've heard none of this leading up to this. Like the past year, we didn't hear anything about Jordan Love and his progression. And even I think Lafleur was asked uh, a, a couple weeks ago, even about how Jordan Love was doing. He was very passive about you know, hey, we're throwing, we're just throwing routes on air. We're not doing much. You, you see, he's been working on the game, but there's a lot of you know progress we got to make. That you know, he's kind of you know very. A politically correct with his answer, not too high, not too low, but kind of even kill. And I think trying to straddle that fence between saying, "Hey, we need Aaron, but you know, we got a guy that we can work with," which is the complete opposite now. It's just like almost like Jordan Love's taken over. It's what the feeling was with the, the raving about, you know, his passes that he was completing during practice. And I think even he made a statement that you know he's ready to start um, should he need to, and, and things like that. Where it, the tone kind of has changed as far as what you're hearing out of Green Bay, but. I think all in all, we understand that the Packers have to take this stance with Jordan Love um, because there's a situation where he can be the starting quarterback. He, he may very well be the starting quarterback week one for Green Bay, um, and you'd hate to have a guy that's not so confident, not only that he can do it, but that his organization, his coaching staff, and the people around him think he can do it. Um, confidence is, I think, one of the more underrated um, intangibles that a quarterback needs to have to succeed. And you, you watch a guy's confidence blossom, and uh, all of a sudden he's making throws that, that, that seem impossible, but uh, they look routine. So I think it's important for Jordan Love to have the confidence, not only in himself, but in the people around him believing in him and believing that, hey, there's a third down that I know you can go get from me. I'm going to call the, the open playbook as if you were Aaron Rodgers, um, or we're not going to water things down with you because we do believe in you as an organization and as a coaching staff. So they have to, in some ways, praise him this way whenever there's an opportunity to to build his confidence up. But in the back of everyone's mind, it's like, push come to sub, Jordan. You, you'd be riding the pine if we had it our way, if we had our number one guy back. But, yeah, it is, it's just weird that this whole back and forth, it's, it's, like, a, it's like being the, the next 
boyfriend after some girl had a really great guy that broke your heart, right? Like, it's, it's like you're never going to be that guy, and you're, you don't want to try to fight and live up to that ghost. But I think that's the position Jordan Love's been kind of forced into, where he has to try to live up to the reigning NFL MVP. And, and all of a sudden, right? So it, it's a, a bad spot for him, but I think the Packers have to try to boost up his confidence as much as they can. Yeah, but Caleb, let me ask you this. I mean, it makes sense in terms of, you know, what he's expected to or what the perception that he has to live up to. But in his mind, doesn't he, don't you think he has to go out every single day and sort of live up to his own expectations and every day be better than Jordan Love from the previous day, not better than Aaron Rodgers? I mean, because the fact of the matter is, if he is the the holder of the throne and Aaron Rodgers is, is out, then it doesn't really matter what, in ter- you know, does that make sense? Like, he, he he's the guy. If he's the guy, then he's just got to be better than he was the day before. And everyone else is going to hold that pressure to him. Everyone else is going to put those expectations on him, and that's understandable. But in his mind... To relieve that pressure and avoid that noise, his mindset has to be: I just have to be better than I was yesterday because you know I I have uh, you know the all that other pressure is going to come no matter what. Yeah, I, I think there is a little bit of that. He can definitely take that position and say, you know, I've just competed with myself, um, which would I think be harder to fight that wave, the momentum of living up to the legend that preceded you. I think the noise is going to be so loud, and I mean. Green Bay is Aaron Rodgers' town. It has been for the last decade, right? And so the noise is so loud. So the the effort that it would take, in my opinion, this could be his approach, to drown that noise out and and say, you know, I'm just trying to focus on self-improvement, yada, yada, and and play my game and and improve on myself. I think that would be a a daunting task mentally, too, to drown that out. But I do think that that's the way he can go. I personally would say the competitive juices would start flowing with me. I, I mean, I would want to kind of approach it with a chip on my on my shoulder here, where hey, maybe I'm not Aaron Rodgers, but I can get the job done. I, I I can get you championships. I can do what Aaron did as far as win loss. Maybe not in the same manner. Maybe not with MVP caliber numbers. Maybe not with me being the focus of you know the offensive attention and being the, the signal caller in every way and having the offense bent to my will. Maybe I just fit in and I'm a piece of the puzzle. That is a good offensive team with with Aaron Jones and Devontae uh, Devontae Adams on the like those weapons on I can fit in and make that work maybe not the way Aaron did but I put that chip on my shoulder and, and make myself you know rise up to the occasion in a competitive sense and kind of embrace the noise of it now you could buckle and maybe it's not his demeanor maybe that's not how he chooses to approach it but um, yeah he could definitely try and say you know I'm gonna mark my own path. Um, and, and be my own quarterback and not try to, you know, focus on that outside pressure. But I think that noise would be so loud that it, it would be impossible to drown it out. I mean, you think about uh, the, the way that the noise was in, in New England around Belichick um, and, you know, with Tom Brady leaving and, and that kind of noise. Um, that, you know, I think would be a fraction of what Jordan Love will be facing because this is, you know, a more messy trade, in my opinion, a more uh, sloppier fallout than we saw with Tom Brady. And we're talking about the greats of the game in that aspect. Whoever stepped into that New England role was going to be scrutinized. Cam Newton's career and his, his, his time in the spotlight was revitalized because just because he was following up Tom Brady. And Jordan Love now, who was drafted to the Packers as the successor, now stepping into the throne room, so to speak, I think there would be so much noise uh, uh, about whether or not it was the right draft take for the Packers 
and this proves Aaron Rodgers right. The the franchise was wrong about the way they've been approaching draft, and so on and so forth. That noise is, I think, impossible to ignore, and and would affect the game even more if you tried to ignore it. So I would say approach it with a chip on your shoulder outlook, and and really go after it, and try to embrace this competition, um, and and, and compete with that narrative that you're not good enough. Uh, that's how I would spin it, at least in, in my head. The time that he spent there, though. Um the time that he's already been there and seen the passion and, and you know, Green Bay, football town, Aaron Rodgers, so on and so forth, a, a part of me has to believe that he um, that he's he knows what kind of noise comes with being a Green Bay Packer and what the fans are like. Oh, absolutely. I, I think so. He, he, he has a choice to make, right? Either, either you drown it out and try to drown it out as a young quarterback or you embrace it and you live up to it and you kind of grab the bull by the horns and, you know, say, Aaron's not here anymore. It's my show. Um, and that's either whether you're forced into it or it comes naturally, that eventually is going to be the case with Jordan Love. And that's, that's, that was the hope when they drafted him high in the first round, at least, or at least in the first round. So, um, yeah, he, he has to be aware of it. He has to understand that it's a, there's, you know, in Green Bay, there's nothing but Green Bay Packer football, you know, with the community ownership or, you know, the, Things like that. There's people that are in tune with that franchise up there that at another level as far as football fanatics go. So he has to embrace it. There's, to me, there's no way around it. You have to fully lean into that pressure and just roll the dice and come out on top or, or shake it off and, and take your losses if you don't live up to it. But I think there's only one way to go in Green Bay, and that's go big or go home. Caleb Herring's with us, former UNLV quarterback, voice of the Rebels on radio, sports analyst. All right, so let's get to the NBA. What happened? What exactly happened, and what happens from here, Caleb, with the Lakers? Uh, you know, I, I don't like to make it seem like excuses, but injuries. I think they're, when you take not just injuries to, to others and to people on the roster, but I think for the last two years, um, and, and last year this was pretty much the focus, the offense, the way that the Lakers built this team and the way that they pursued winning was through Anthony Davis. He, you know, as big as LeBron James is, as as, as high of a level he's played at as a Laker, uh, the system runs through Anthony Davis. And I think there's no doubt about that. And LeBron James himself uh, admitted last season that the, the plan is to force-feed Anthony Davis. He's a dominant force and when he's healthy, and that's you know not a bad plan to have, right? Um, but when he goes down, it's you know, like losing the queen in chess. It's, it's, you're, you're playing with a really handicapped board, and that's what happened with the Lakers. Now, that's not to discredit at all what Phoenix did. I mean, Anthony Davis was healthy in a couple of games, and they still gave Anthony Davis all he can handle. I mean, Aiden made Davis look, you know, like they were on the same level in game one. And, you know, Anthony Davis had a terrible game one, um, a great game two. But Anthony Davis, I think, is the key to the Lakers' success right now as the team's currently constructed. Um, and when he goes down, they're, they're missing a big gun, obviously. Um, that being said, Nobody else from the Lakers was ready to step up. Uh, you know, Kyle Kuzma, the first on that list to step up, he disappeared completely. I, I mean, there was a there's an APB out for for Kyle Kuzma. Um, there's a game where Dennis Schroeder, who vanished and had a goose egg as you know starting point guard, um, which is just unacceptable. Um, so the, the others, as Shaq called them, didn't step up and didn't do their their part to, to fill the void, and basically ended up leaving LeBron James out there looking to facilitate with others that weren't trying to finish or produce. So um, I, I will say this, Schroeder bounced back, and I see play with the most heart in that elimination game. The way he played and, and scratched and clawed to try to fight back into the game made me proud as a Laker fan. 
So, you know, Magic Johnson's comments about him kind of took me back a little bit. But I think, you know, it's, I think it's seriously, uh, you know, looking at this championship stretch where you have a finite amount of time with LeBron James as, as get as much as you can because I think the future of the franchise, when you look at what they traded away asset-wise to get Anthony Davis and you look at, you know, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Egram, uh, you know, the, the Clarkson finding success elsewhere in the league, and you look at that could have been the core for – you know, a long time. And I, as, a, as a fan of the game and just looking to the future, that hurts me a little bit that we gave those, those pieces up that could have been a solid, you know, compilation of players um, to get, you know, this instant gratification of a championship last year and championship but, hey, this Caleb, year. Caleb, let me break in. Isn't one title, yeah. I mean, it's the Lakers, so one title isn't enough, but you got a title. That was the cost. Yeah, and that's, to me, for me personally, I don't think that's worth it. Right, I, 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 one type, like you said, coming from a lake, I, you know, we have 17, 18, you know, we're the, the, one of the most well-known, well-documented, most successful franchises in sports history, right? And so one, selling all out for one championship is something that I don't feel like a Laker organization should have to do. Um, but like, you know, we, we, I, I grew up during, you know, the three-peats with Shaq and uh, Kobe Bryant even with the, with taking the, the process before the process was a, a, a coined term, you know, going through a process of five, six years and building to another back-to-back run. And that, that constant excellence that I think is demanded of the Lakers, when you sell out for that moment in the limelight, you inevitably set yourself up for those long stretches of downtime. And I think with, you know, I, the Warriors are different with injuries, but there's teams that you've seen where they have this big three, like the Heat, and then they go on stretches where they're just kind of a, an afterthought in the NBA. The Lakers should never be an afterthought. They should always be in contention. I think um, if you build the team the right way with contract management, money management, um, a, a plan of action, not just you know putting in the highest bid for the most uh, valuable player that offseason, I think you, you kind of change the narrative and you build consistency over that instant gratification. That's how you become the Lakers. You become an 18-championship an team by having consistency and I think the addition of Anthony Davis and LeBron James kind of made players bigger than the, the franchise, in my opinion. I think that was the first time that a player put on the Laker jersey and it didn't feel like the Laker jersey was bigger than the name on the back. Uh, and Anthony Davis as well. So I personally, I, I don't mind that we won. I, I'm glad about the championship. I don't mind that we won it. You <laughs> Lakers fans. All right, we, we, got, we got a minute left. Willie wanted to ask about the inevitable, which is, LeBron not being in an NBA Finals again. What was your question? Oh, if he never goes to another NBA Final. Right. Right, what we talked about before. Yeah. If yeah. he never goes to an NBA Final again, does, when you know, when Kobe retired, we talked about everybody asked, who was, who are your top five Lakers? Or who are your top ten Lakers? Who's your number one all-time Laker? Does LeBron, LeBron. Now, does LeBron now belong in that conversation because he's been no, there a no, few years? No, and do you oh, wow. raise his jersey to the Raptors? Like I'm yelling no. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> okay, good. LeBron James, LeBron James is not a Laker great. So right? is, is, I mean, is he a, is he a Cavalier great, great or a Heat great? Is he a Cavalier great or a Heat great? I think he's a Cavalier great. And okay. I think that what makes him a Cavalier great, in my opinion, I would put it, is the Cleveland this is for you after he won that championship in Cleveland. And the connection that he undoubtedly has with Ohio, um, that to me supersedes anything he did anywhere else. Um, the, the, that attachment, I think, with that fan base and with that franchise, as much as you know, they, he disagreed with the owner in the end of it, 
Uh, I think he's a Cleveland Cavalier at heart. I think that's where I would put him as, you know, just a general observation. He's not a Laker. I think Laker great carries more weight than just playing well and winning championships. I mean, there's guys like, like Robert Ory, who was kind of a journeyman, who I would consider, based on his time with the Lakers and the, the connection with the fan base he had, Ooh. a Laker. Derek Fisher, wow. Laker. Like, wow. these, these guys. Big shot were, Not Laker greats. Not Laker greats, but they're Lakers. It's, it's just, there's, there's something about donning the purple and gold and, and really having that loyalty to that franchise that only a select few can say that so, they're great so, uh, Lakers. So put Ori's number in the rafters, not LeBron. <laughs> not, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> LeBron James LeBron James is great as a player, and he played for the Lakers, but that does not make you a Laker great. Hey, for the record, not, Caleb, listen, for the record, by the way, you said you grew <laughs> up during the with the Kobe and Shaq building of that. Colfield and I remember Koopa Loop and Magic and Kareem and Norm Nixon and <laughs> Byron Scott, him. so let's go now. We're Come shame, on now. shame you for being younger. Byron Scott, yeah, so, uh, Jersey Re- belongs up there. At, at some point... We're going to accept that millennials belong, okay? <laughs> I'm a millennial, and I'm proud of it, all right? Those were great times. I've watched all the film of, you know, I grew, my dad grew up in the era as well. So Magic Johnson, that's the number I wore in basketball when I played basketball. Magic Johnson was my favorite point guard until Steph Curry stepped into the league. So, But that, those kinds of things, I, I appreciate the history. I'm just That wasn't what I lived through. I, I lived through one of the greatest stretches, most dominant stretches in basketball history, which was that three-peat Laker team. And I, like, I can't take that away. I, I can't you know, hop in a time machine and, and go back and live through the 70s and 80s, but I would have loved to. But that's just where I was. I, that's the Laker dynasty I remember as a child. That's my youth. And I just don't think LeBron fits amongst those names when you say a Laker great. He retired as a, a Laker great. He just he played for the Lakers for the end of his career and had success with the Lakers. Caleb, we appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Hey, Willie, have a good one, man. All right, Caleb. Take care. <laughs> Damn. Didn't even say goodbye to me. All right, on the way back, uh, well, actually about 12 minutes away from Brian Blessing. He's going to check in, break down, or give us his breakdown of the game last night. Awesome comeback, awesome victory, awesome finish by the Knights. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Who better to talk about food than these two? It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans. Alright, time for some old school Vegas talk, some Rat Pack talk. Willie's going crazy. He's got he's got ties to the Rat Pack. He's got family members who love hanging out. With the guys. So, I found, love this song. Found a good list. And good is it's a conversation starter because generally these lists are kind of hokey and I think they're paid for. Uh, but there was a list out today uh, top 50 list of each state's legendary fast food joint in Nevada. Eh, they picked a place in Reno. I don't care. Um, come on. It's got to be Vegas. Now, here's a question How many legendary fast food places have survived? Right, because we turn over so much here, and unfortunately, with the pandemic, we lost some you know really cool restaurants and a lot of places being bought out. And I would, I would also put um, a lot of our bars and like their overnight food in the category of fast food. You yeah, can get it fast. Yeah, and I mean this. It, the title does say uh, your state's most historic fast food joint, but the one that picked was casual dining restaurant up in Reno. So if 
if that's the case, then there there are far better places that are still around, far better places oh, that were a, around. Got a treasure trove of places to go through. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, the first thing when you ask me if there what the first place that popped in my head when I looked at this and thought what's still around is easily four kegs. Mm-hmm. Right, the Stromboli over there. I mean, is is I mean, uh, really good what, pizza. Gus went over there and did the Gus Fieri did the uh, did Guy a, Fieri Guy Fieri yeah. did a um, Fieri. He did his diner drive-in show there, and uh, what just popped in my head when you said bars with good food, the Tap House has the best double bake bar, double bake wings and and pizza. So I mean, Badass. there's places that are still around, places that we brought up that are now not you know that are defunct. Back in the day. Papa Gars was was it was a very popular joint. There's a greasy spoon that's on Las Vegas Boulevard in Oki. Used to be a White Cross Drugs, and I don't know if it's still White Cross Drugs or drugs. It's nothing. Or, it's nothing right now. They closed it down. Okay, but that, that greasy spoon in there yeah. has been there forever. Really? When I grew up around the corner from there, off East Sahara, down the street from the Tony Romas that Frank Rosenthal's car blew up. <laughs> it's a Cadillac with um, steel plated dust. It was like seat. five minutes from from where I grew up. Yeah. Um, and that little greasy spoon in there, it's been it's been a like a woman's name, like it changed over. I know it's been around so long, and be, and generation generation, that Jordan was going there two three in the morning with his boys. Your That's son, they, yeah. on the way home. They'd stop there to go eat. You wanted to do a shout out for Villa Pizza, which you know is, Pizza. is a franchise, but that was a, it a is. good place. That was that's franchise now. Carmine brought that here, I want to say in nineteen seventy four. If you go to one of the ones that he still has around, they have the original menu uh story on the back. And that original one was at um in Commercial Center, across from Town Pump Everything Liquor. Everything was in Commercial Center. Yeah, around the corner. You know, and then there, the other one that they opened down, I think, off Maryland Parkway, you know who worked at that one as a delivery driver before he Blew up in this town and became an actor, Steve Sharippa. Sure. Bobby so, Bacala. Yeah. Your guy so from The I'm, Sopranos. Yes. So, I mean, there's there's plenty of places before this, uh, this joint up in Reno that definitely deserves some recognition. Uh, other old school places, bars, because I really think that's like, that's our fast food. Um you always talk about State Street. That was not fast food, though. No, that, that was, was a, that was like good high end food. Fine dining. And and who was, uh, who was the famous dude there? Johnny Russo. Right. He yeah. was the owner. He was the Johnny Russo with uh, Dion Warwick. Dion Warwick, right? And next door was his nightclub. Right. So, so it was you know you pull up and you have the the entrance to the um, to the restaurant was on the right, nightclub on the left, and they'd have they'd have a stage. You know, they had a stage where they did live entertainment, just like just like you see at the uh, the new bootlegger dining. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. cabaret type. Yep. You know, piano bar like the old Fellinis. That was, I mean, those were the that was nineteen eighty. Mid eighties, because I remember my first. I turned eighteen, and Johnny told the valet people. He said, "Give this kid a job." So what I started uh, valet in there. I don't know if you mentioned it. Uh, Johnny was in what famous movie? The Godfather. Right. He uh, James Con tossed him around in the in the trash cans because he uh, beat up Talia Shire, the the sister, the daughter. That's right. So uh, now let me tell you, in real life, you weren't tossing that guy into garbage cans because didn't someone someone came in there and got froggy, right? Yeah, someone and, came and in, got shot. He got shot, and Johnny was it, it was self defense. He uh, it was on the nightclub side. Yeah, yeah, you could. That's all it's Vegas, that, baby. That's it. That and that was old school Vegas for you, you know. And it it was there were some cast of characters, the actor, everybody that came in town. There were, you know. Uh, there would be different actors or, or entertainers that would come over there. It, it somewhat was like the late 60s, early 70s lounge areas where you'd see, let's say, uh, 
singing impression is Bobby Anderson, who we talked about a few weeks yeah, ago, yeah. Um, podcast, long yeah. before Dan, uh, Danny Gans, rest his soul. You know, uh, he used to go to Bobby Anderson show to to watch, and but that's how State Street became, where a lot of people would come in. For the, what was taking place in there, and you'd see some of the actors and celebrities, and they'd hang out to watch the lounge act there. Nice, nice. On the way back, a guy who's been here a while, has some stories, I'm sure, but certainly is all over the Golden Knights. Uh, he's on Sports Grid on Sirius XM 204. We'll get a recap of last night's game and look ahead to what's going to happen in Game 6. Brian Blessing on the way. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Get into it on a Wednesday. We always talk sports betting, talk some hockey, some horse racing when it's applicable. Brian Blessing, Sports Grid, Sirius XM 204. Is up. Brian, how you doing, buddy? Good, Steve. You guys up, are always Brian? talking food before I come on, and I'm a willing participant. Willie nailed it. Being from Buffalo, finding good wings. The tap house, money. Absolute money. I'll cast a vote for Hammers. Bob the Hammer Fleming, the old hockey player. College drive up in Henderson. Awesome chicken wings, and it's worth the drive for the great hockey stories he tells. Wow. Does that supplant Johnny Max and Henderson? Johnny Max are very good too. What are you no, doing I mean, here? What are you no, doing? They're about the top three. I think you nailed it. Okay. Now, Brian, up in Buffalo, though, uh, as far as Italian food, you heading to chefs? Oh, yeah, a lot of chefs. Oh, the the best thing ever, Willie, was the the uh, the Friday fish fries, the beer batter haddock. Oh my God! I mean, to die for up there. Well, no, I know you probably know a lot of chefs. I'm talking about. Isn't there a restaurant, Chefs? Oh, I, Chefs, yes, yeah. yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. the hockey players. Uh, Everybody goes there. It's down by the arena. Yeah, it's outstanding. Yeah. Brian, let's get into what happened last night. That was pretty amazing. Uh, the, the, the play was so dominant on the Av side in the second period. Flurry stands on his head, keeps the Knights in the game. What changed at the beginning of the third period? I just think they got their legs, Steve. The, the goal that Flurry let in, I mean, it's a killer, and he, he knew it. And I think they were really deflated to start the second period. And the one thing, we talked about it before the game yesterday, the Avs have been stubborn to a fault trying to skate through Vegas, and they've taken the neutral zone away. And said the simple fix is play a dump and chase game. Stop skating through Vegas, and they did that. But as soon as Vegas scored, once Tuck scored, all of a sudden Colorado started squeezing the stick, and they kind of got away from the dump and chase game, and Vegas got their legs. I think Eddie Olchick brought up a good point. Don't forget, Vegas had a seven-game series against Minnesota, this one's going at least six. So, you know, there's a lot on the line, but you know, Vegas and every team at this stage gets a little weary. Not only that, Brian, but I, I tend to think, you know, the competition level, when you, when you, like you said, they come out of a seven-game series, so we all know what took place. They're tired, right? They traveled. They go up into the altitude, and, and they have to play, and then Robin Leonard's thrown in. It's nothing against Leonard. Obviously, he was cold. He hadn't played in a while, but... Bottom line is, as you progress through this series, and as good as the Avalanche are, let's not forget that they also blew out a non-competitive Blues team, whereas the Golden Knights yeah. just faced a very tough and rugged opponent that many people said that's the last opponent they want to face in the first round. So in reality, the battle-tested team for this round was Vegas, not Colorado. 
Well, there's no doubt. And, hey, let's look ahead. If it's Vegas or it's Colorado, Montreal sitting there, played four games, going to be fresh as a daisy. And whoever wins this series, uh, you're going to be going against Carey Price, and you're going to be you know, pretty worn down from this series. So that's the nature of the beast when you get to the playoffs. Hey, Willie, I wanted to throw one at you real quick. Okay. I should have spotted this early on. Uh, ran in the game-winning goal in game two. Okay, great. It happened a couple more times in subsequent games. But last night, four times, Colorado is shooting at Flurry's head. Look, think about it. I mean, the, the first goal that went in, it, I think it went off a stick, and it knuckled on him. But I think the scouting report, they are shooting at yeah. Flurry's head. He's making saves off the collarbone. They're shooting right at the peepers on them. I mean, and they've been doing it time and time again. Right, because when you think about the acrobatic moves that he makes laterally and he's those glove saves, right, whenever we say flashing the leather, he's doing that windmill. He's coming from the bottom to the top, right? He's sweeping upward. He's So to get him out of his comfort zone, in reality, those types of shots are going to trouble him where they – they may, you know, they may not be trouble for Leonard to stop because he's a big boy. So he's standing high in the net, and he yeah. could, and he's just got to move to the left or the right and block it. It's kind of like uh, I can't think why his name escaped me. The big, uh, uh, the guy from Dallas, Bishop. Ben Bishop. Right. So you have this big body in front. You can't shoot high with Flurry. He's so used to being acrobatic and moving and the windmill and the and the flashy saves. All of a sudden, you jam him up and aim for the collarbone or aim for over the shoulder. You know, between the ear and the shoulder. That's tough for him to do. And we kind of saw his first reaction was to do something flashy with the glove last night. Yeah. Get him a bigger helmet. Ha! <laughs> Get him the the the, uh, the giant padded helmets they were trying out in baseball. Uh, what was it, the, 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 the great the kazoo? From... Also helmet, the sure. Kazoo oh, yeah, helmet. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. But I, I, I just wrote a story for the Associated Press, part of the advance for tomorrow, and it, it, it somewhat was on Flurry in that, and he brought that up last night in the pre- post-game press conference and saying that, you know, um, he, he felt stupid, but at the same time, uh, years ago, Right, he's been in. He's been doing this for seventeen years, and and you you've been following hockey a lot longer than I have in the media. Um, you know, he he had his rough go in the postseason. That's something that would have stuck in his mind, and he could have come out and really let it get to him. But you have some seasoned veterans on there. You have some very talented defensemen. Uh, Petrangelo finally showing that he's worth eight million dollars. And he just kind of shrugged it off, and then it was two nothing, and he still was playing, you know, out of his mind and playing well. And Tuck hits that flashy goal, bats it out of the air, and it just rejuvenated him. His maturity level is really what's helping him, um, his experience play realistically the, the the season of his career. No, there's no doubt about it. And, and Steve, I, I hated to even you know make the analogy because if people wince, but tomorrow night. I mean, can Vegas go up there and win game seven? Sure they can. Just like Colorado can come in here and win tomorrow. And the bottom line is, don't forget, you had San Jose in a game six, Mm -hmm. and Vegas the sink at them, and Jones beat them. And then they went up there, and you can make the case they should have won, and we all know what happened up there. But if you get a chance to step on somebody's neck, kick them while they're down. I mean, they better win tomorrow. Yeah, well, they've been kicking uh, McKinnon while he's down, and I hate to say that because that, that could be a jinx because at any moment he can explode. Um, again, I've been, I've been asking all our hockey experts, what does Bednar do 
to get that guy going again. Because it's funny, Zick Fricasi from SiriusXM was on in our first hour, and he thought at times that McKinnon and especially uh, McCarr were playing kind of like hero puck out there, like trying to do too much now. It's in their head. I don't think he does a damn thing. I mean, this guy is money. And, okay, it's been five games. You know, McDavid can win all the hard trophies he wants, but, you know, at some point you got to do it in the playoffs. And McKinnon is a great player, and he knows this team has to get on his shoulders, and it's up to him to get out of it. I don't think you come up with any great grand scheme for this guy. And the fact is, give Vegas credit, Stevenson in particular, the gap control, they're standing up at the blue line, but Vegas is forwards on the back check. Colorado keeps trying to make plays at the blue line, dump it in, and try to get set up and run your offense from there. Again, win game six because all that means is it's one more game for McKinnon to figure it out because, believe me, he's a guy who can win a game all by himself. You know, we're giving shout-outs to different guys on the Golden Knights all day long, and I think one of the guys who probably doesn't get enough credit for really playing well in the playoffs, and some people are getting frustrated during the regular season, is Petrangelo. He's worth every nickel now. This, I mean, yeah. this is the guy they thought they were getting. You know, Pacioretty got off to a slow start his first year. Uh, he's settled in now. He had the wrist injury and all the COVID stuff. But you can see the game he plays when he plays it right. And I think there's a comfort level. And I guess the old hockey cliche, Steve, there are many of them. But you need your best players to be your best players. And you need get guys to raise their level of their game. And there's the game that Vegas has been waiting for. Petrangelo has been phenomenal. Uh, Nassau, By the way, the Islanders just scored yeah, one nothing Islanders. Yeah, I was going to say Nassau Mausoleum going crazy there. So uh, one nothing Islanders. If they advance, they actually challenge the Lightning. I love the Islanders. Barry Trot. Really? Can you, ima- you imagine? It? Well, no, no, I no. I mean, I love the team. Okay, I okay. Base, like they're on mission. <laughs> but right. could you imagine? Could you imagine if Vegas made the final again and they had to go against Barry Trotz? Yikes. Yeah, not good. How was your viewing party last night? Uh, it was great. It's it's great to see people. But you know what, Steve? I mean, uh, the sheer joy on people's faces when the when the goal went in, it was like, other than it was cool and the Golden Knights won it, but it was like, you know, we're lucky we do sports. But that's all I'll say. Every day, all the whining we all do about the little things, we're talking sports, and sports is fun and entertainment. And people have just had sheer joy on their face when that goal went in. They went from tortured souls to exuberant. You're going to try to do some more of them? Yeah, jury's out. If it goes to seven, uh, chance Saturday for game seven at Sunset Station. Nothing firm yet, but we'll absolutely, if they advance, we'll be doing probably game three uh, when they uh, go up to Canada. And they are going to Canada. Yeah. Yep, uh, that's certainly uh, that's a big change now. All of a sudden, it is a home and home. Brian, appreciate it. We'll talk to you. Steve, have a good one. Willie, take care. All right, Brian. Sirius XM 204, Sports Grid Radio. He's on K-Shop as well. The legendary Brian Blessing on hockey and sports betting. We got a lot of good news to get to. The opening up of Vegas as we got conventions in town, more sporting events to get to, and we'll follow up on what happened last night with the Golden Knights as uh, Willie's just coming in here, so we want his heroes of the night. The phones are always open on Cofield and Company. Call 702-364-1100 now.